Episode 26, The End of an Era, 1984-1988. Being the athletic director, while Bill Dennis was the head football coach at Marceline, was like walking a tightrope. Let me demonstrate the type of situation it was. You've heard of Lou Saban, the football coach at Alabama, haven't you? But can you name the athletic director at Alabama? You get the idea. Holding the title of athletic director or general manager doesn't guarantee that you have more power than a head coach. The power of the head coach is directly proportional to the degree of success he has and no one had more success at Marceline High School than Bill Dennis. So the situation called for a great deal of caution. I had to preserve the illusion of authority when dealing with the other coaches, but I had to know where to hold back when the football program was involved. I think I navigated these treacherous waters fairly well, but there were a few times when I came close to a conflict with Coach Dennis. There was one particular incident during Coach Dennis's time at Marceline that for a while looked like it would create an unavoidable conflict. It involved athletic tape. When Superintendent Mark Yaley agreed to recommend me to be the athletic director in 1983, he had a stern warning for me. He said that it was going to be watching the finances of the athletic department very carefully and that it was my job one to control spending in the department. I took Dr. Yaley's admonition very seriously. It was echoed by Principal Bill Lewis. At that time, all purchase orders were approved by the secondary principal. Mr. Lewis was especially concerned with the amount of money that had been spent in the past on athletic tape. I didn't know it at the time, but I later found out from the owner of the sporting goods store that sold us the tape that there was a little deceit involved in the purchase of tape. When football coaches wanted to purchase something that they were afraid wouldn't be approved by Mr. Lewis, they would have the store bill it to the school as athletic tape. I want to pause here to emphasize that this took place before Bill Dennis came to Marceline. Even allowing for the inflated expenditure, the school still spent a lot of money on tape. This was at a time when coaches firmly believed that taping ankles had a big effect on reducing injuries. So it was common to tape every player's ankles before every game in practice, or at least every starter. 
But I wanted to be sure that I could justify whatever was spent on tape. I decided to monitor the use of tape. Jose Quintero and I had built several large storage cabinets in the locker room, in the training room, and in the area that became the athletic office. I placed padlocks on all of the cabinets. When tape was delivered, I placed most of it in cabinets to which I had the only key. I would then dole out the tape as needed by moving it to the cabinet with training supplies one or two cases at a time. Several coaches had a key to that cabinet. I checked the training cabinet supply regularly to keep track of the use of the tape. I was surprised one day after school when a student manager came in and told me that they were out of tape. I went down to the training room to see for myself. When I got there, the assistant football coaches and the managers were taping ankles with the last of the tape from their cabinet. The head coach did not commonly participate in this daily ritual. I verified that they were using the last of the tape and told them that I would have to get my keys from the office to access the stockpile. That's when I got a big surprise. One of the student managers, maybe not the sharpest of the lot, said that it wouldn't be necessary for me to go get the key. With that, he procured a screwdriver from somewhere and proceeded to take the hinges loose from the door of the cabinet where I kept the tape. He took out a case of tape and reattached the door to the cabinet. The speed with which he accomplished this told me that it was not the first time it had been done. His innocent demeanor made it clear that he had no idea that there was anything wrong. Now, throughout this little fiasco, the assistant coaches had continued to tape ankles, but the expressions on their faces as things unfolded were priceless, although I was not in the right mood at the time to enjoy their discomfort. I was furious. At least I was smart enough not to personally confront Coach Dennis about the incident. I did tell Mr. Lewis, and he agreed that we needed to investigate. Now, this is the part of the story where you have to appreciate the loyalty of assistant coaches. When interviewed later by Mr. Lewis and me, the testimony never wavered. Coach Dennis did not participate in the subterfuge and was not aware that it had been going on. And so a direct conflict was avoided. Oh, and nothing significant happened to the assistant coaches. 
After all, it was football. This was not the only time that I came close to a conflict with Coach Dennis. Sometime during his time as the head coach, Superintendent Scott Tavot, who had replaced Mark Yaley, heard a rumor that Bill was not riding the team bus to away games, at least not all the way to the games. The story was that Bill would board the bus at school but get off somewhere like the county line store and ride with some of his morning coffee friends. Apparently, Mr. Tavot didn't want to confront Coach Dennis about this without evidence, so he ordered me on a covert mission. I was instructed to park at Regional Bank as the team left town for the next game and see if Bill got off the bus. I have to tell you that I was the most relieved person alive when the bus sailed past County Line. I didn't want to be the person who narked on Bill Dennis. Was the story false to begin with? Did Coach Dennis catch wind of my black ops assignment? Did he get off the bus later in the trip? You'd have to ask him that. If the story was true, I think I know one reason why Bill might not like to ride the bus. Bill was a closet smoker. I knew this because he kept a stash of cigarettes in the rafters of the storage area behind the football concession stand. He also left behind the empty packs, quite a few of them. I make no judgment of Bill for this. I was a closet smoker too. Randy Jury, the maintenance director, and I used to smoke in the boiler room. It wasn't an office area back then and made a great place to hide out and drink a big red soda and have a smoke. Now I have one more story about how administrators avoided conflict with Coach Dennis, and it is a very personal one. In the winter and spring of 1988, there was a persistent rumor in the community that Bill Dennis was being forced to resign. I don't know where the rumor originated, but I do know that it was not true. I have a July 1987 clipping from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in which Bill was quoted as saying that this would be his last year at Marceline. That makes perfect sense considering that Bill's youngest son was graduating the next spring. But there was no squelching the rumor at the time. The people of the community and the MHS students, most of whom idolized Coach Dennis, for bringing the school a state championship, were enraged. 
The main target of the rumor was the school superintendent, Scott Tavot. The principal, Jay Reese, was also a target just by being a part of the administration. As the athletic director, I guess I was deemed to be part of the imagined conspiracy. That was the presumed reason for all our houses to be egged one night. A group of disgruntled football players was responsible. As a teacher and a coach, vandalism of my vehicles and yard was not something new for me, but my family had never been so closely affected before. My wife couldn't understand why anyone would do this to her home. What had she or our daughters done to deserve such anger? And it wasn't fair that she was the one who ended up spending hours to scrape off the eggs from the siding and windows. It wasn't hard to find out the names of the vandals. It's pretty likely that they did some bragging around it. But before I could turn the names over to the police, Mr. Tavot intervened. He told me that it would probably just cause more trouble to involve the police. He also counseled Mr. Reese to not assign any school punishment to the boys because the community would not be happy if he did. And so the misdeed went unpunished. I certainly don't think that Bill Dennis encouraged the boys to vandalize my house. Did he enjoy the backlash against the administration, allowing them to be wrongfully blamed for his leaving Marceline? You'd have to ask him that. <laughs>